0: Welcome to the D-SHIFT Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. And thank you so much for tuning into the D-Shift podcast again. And today we have a topic that a lot of people have been asking for. And I have got the perfect guest to explain this to us. So uh, Dina Nielsen is a retired family law attorney with over 25 years of experience in representing uh, people going through divorce. And she has a phenomenal uh, wealth of wisdom around how to hire an attorney, and what you need to look for, and what you need to be aware of when you're getting into uh, working with legal professionals, because there are different types of legal professionals out there. So, um, Dina, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking your time today. Oh, thank you so much. I was looking
1: forward to it, actually.
0: So, I gave a very brief introduction about you. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself so that people kind of understand your background and... uh, why they need to listen to you about how to hire an attorney. (laughs) Well,
1: I have a little bit different perspective, I think, than a lot of lawyers. Um, I was married at 19 and divorced at 23. No children, thank goodness. Um, I did not see him, but one time after our divorce. So that, you know, it it was hard at the moment, but it was over fairly quickly. And then years, like 16 years later, Um, I went to law school and um, I was much older than everyone else, (laughs) not everyone, but a lot of people in my class. And um, so I was, uh, what, 38 when I went to law school and I was 41 when I graduated. And I was working at that time as a clerk, you know, when you just work as a clerk during law school and um, for a firm right there in Norman, Oklahoma, I went to OU go Sooners. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> <laughs> a bad year to say that. But anyway, um, yeah. So I just stayed there as an attorney then. And, uh, he did Indian law, Native American law, and we had all kinds of clients, including divorces. Um, so I did all of those cause he wasn't going to touch that, but, uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Mr. Pikeson passed away uh, a few years later in 1999. And um, that was a wake-up call for me because I was in a very bad marriage. I had two children by that time. And I knew that if I didn't make a move, I was going to be stuck there. Mm -hmm. And I did not want that. So I uh, took my kids. We moved to Colorado. And he stayed in Oklahoma, which was a good thing. And he's still there by the way. And um, so I worked for a firm there in Denver and uh, for a few years, and then it became apparent that I needed to open my own office. And uh, so I did. And I exclusively focused on family law and did only divorces and child support and child custody and all that sort of thing for 15 years. That when you say that, it doesn't sound like, oh, 15 years. Fifteen years is a long time to be getting people divorced. I'm it, is, tell you. it is. It's it's, it's a very a emotionally draining um, part of the law. It yeah, it absolutely is. It's yeah. a hard. Uh, it's a hard thing. I always tell people if you know an attorney that does family law, feel sorry for them, take them soup, do whatever you need to do for them, because they are having a hard time. Yeah, and especially now, I'm I'm glad I'm uh, kind of out of the litigation part, but. Um, there are so many cases right now built up because of the pandemic. Uh, they couldn't have the hearings and do the things they needed to do in court. So um, it's it's really hard on everybody, you know, because they're trying to catch up.
0: It is. Yeah. A lot uh, of long hours. The, the only good thing I think that came out of this is I think some of the courts kind of understand now the value of doing some of these virtual things, that it's much faster. It You know, you're not moving people in and out. You can you can log on. You can you know, you actually have better control of the process, I think. I know a lot of family mediators are doing all their stuff now virtually. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, let's face it. If you can keep people on a Zoom call, you're not going to have the potential for threats or danger or violence or anything compared to having them all in the same room. So um, So true. Yeah, I did some mediation work and I can
1: tell you I had a glass. Uh, wall around the conference room in my office and this lady came and she was unhappy and she smashed her her chair against the glass wall I've never been more scared in my life I thought oh my god if that breaks you know we're in big trouble yeah Yeah. (laughs) it didn't it didn't break but scared me to death and I thought I'm not having those kind of people in here anymore (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's hard to tell who those kind of people are because some, they don't present like that when they first go true. I was shocked
1: that that's what happened. I was like, whoa, yeah. what's, what's going on here? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, all those things are true. And, and, you know, uh, I closed my office in uh, 2018. So it was a little bit before all the virtual stuff um, got really right. popular. And um, so I never was able to, I tried to do some virtual stuff even then, but, um so it was hard to do because we didn't I didn't know about zoom
0: well and people <laughs> it, people were comfortable people uh, you know this this whole if there's like I say if there's one good thing that came out of the pandemic is it forced people to um get comfor- comfortable with these platforms and you know some of us have been using for years and years other people this was all brand new so um I guess that's one that's one plus side but um you know, and and now there's options, right? You can do in person, you can do Zoom. Even I'm I'm even working with a lot of my divorce clients now are requesting um, Zoom, and the judges are still being very accommodating and saying, "Sure, if, if all parties agree to the Zoom meeting hearing, let's do it that way." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so let's let's get into let's get into this this heart of of hiring professionals, uh, the heart of the kind of the matter here, because for most people not all, but most people, um, the first time you're going to have to hire an attorney is going to be for a divorce. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about what you would recommend that people do. And I would also like to pick your brain on some of the mistakes that you see people make when they hire attorneys. But let's start with the good stuff first. So how, how would you recommend, and I, I know you work with You work with people before divorce or do you mostly work with women after divorce? Mostly after. Okay. Okay. Uh So, so what would you suggest to anybody who's listening in on the call here who is thinking that they are, they need a divorce attorney or a custody attorney or a child support attorney or any, any of those professionals, where do you start? How do you go about it?
1: Well, I'll tell you when I was practicing, so many people would come in and say, well, my mom told me to call you, or my neighbor told me to call you, or, you know, it was all word of mouth uh, primarily, which is fine for me, but um, I would recommend that you not only um, do that, you know, ask, you can ask people for their recommendation, but just because that was a good attorney for them and they had a good outcome does not mean that that's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't say it won't work for you, but I would say you need to do your own research and find your own person because a lot of times people come in and they don't, they, first of all, they don't know what they need or what kind of person they're looking for, but that's why you do your research before you go because, because you want the attorney that's best for you, right? Not best for your neighbor, your mother or whoever the one that's best for you. And I will tell you, say this, when you go in to talk to the attorney, if that attorney is giving you a canned speech and you can spot them a mile away, and I'm sure everybody understands what I'm talking about. This, you know, words are coming out of their mouth, just like, yeah, and they're not really listening to you and your story, because that's the most important part is your story and what's going on in your life. It's not, about me I'm going to go home and be fine either way you are the one that needs the help okay so I would just say it's very important that the attorney listen to you Mm -hmm. validate your feelings understand where you're coming from um and not be uh untouchable or cold toward you you know you can just tell when somebody clicks with somebody right and and I You know, I have had people come in that I would say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to help you because I know, uh, I would know immediately if they were going to be a a good client or a bad client. And I didn't want any bad clients. Yeah, (laughs) I I know that sounds terrible, but I just didn't want any bad clients. You know, nobody does. So you just want to be kind of choosy about who you take on. And uh, not all attorneys feel that way. Most of them say if you're, if you have a heartbeat and a checkbook, gonna- <laughs> that's what I was
0: gonna say. <laughs> that's, that seems to be a big criteria for a lot of attorneys is how are you gonna pay for this? Like well, yeah, and that is important, but it's
1: sure. not the most to me, it was never the most important thing. Right. right. The most important thing, would I be able to help you? Would I be able to get done what you want? Because if I can't do what you want or what you expect mm-hmm. and I can't give you reasonable expectations that you adopt as your own, then we got trouble
0: yeah so um, i really i really like that so uh, what i and i'm just going to summarize and you tell me if i got it right um that that you really think in your in your opinion that the attorney should be asking questions of you and should be listening to the information you give them if the whole conversation is just this is how i'm going to help you and they don't even know what you want there's a problem with that attorney
1: that's, that's an issue yeah when when the lawyer's doing all the talking and you're not right <laughs> Right. That's your first clue. Yeah. That may not be the person for you. But um, particularly if you're um, younger and less experienced and have never uh, had an attorney before for any reason. Right. You know, that's that's going to be a hard uh, thing for you to do. Number one, to hire the attorney because you don't really know what what to expect or what to do. Um, and those are the people I always had the most sympathy for because I I knew they didn't know what to ask me or anything. You know? right. So I, was, I on the one hand, I wanted to tell them that. But uh, on the other hand, I wanted to hear what they had to say.
0: And and so, you know, that interestingly enough, that's a lot of the stuff, the work that I do with my clients. Sometimes we spend two or three sessions. Just how are you going to interview an attorney? That's really important. So what what are, say, two or three questions That you think that any woman going in to hire an an attorney for a divorce should definitely make sure that they get asked and answered in that consultation session?
1: Well, I will say the one question. Just stop asking is how many cases have you won? Stop asking that because you don't win cases in family law you might get favorable outcomes, but I don't consider that a win. I don't I don't know anybody that thinks that's a win right. Um, you know everybody's kind of a loser basically. so don't ask the lawyer how many questions how many cases they've won because they will tell you they've won every single one.
0: Sure because they've represented a client right <laughs> <They> got something
1: <laughs> and I would always just laugh when they, when they asked me that and almost every single person asked me that. And I think because I come across as very personable in the office, they think I'm not tough enough, you know, in court. Don't mistake that because that doesn't mean I'm not tough in court. So never judge the attorney uh, by how they act in the office, by how you think they're going to act in court. You know, maybe find somebody that used that attorney and f- ask them how they acted in court. That would be the better way to go about it because uh, I know my personality changes the minute I go in court. Sure. I think everybody, every lawyer has a different personality in court than they do in their office. I don't know anybody who doesn't.
0: Uh, you have to, right? Because you got a different yeah. role. It's a different job when you're in court.
1: That's right. You absolutely have to. And then that's the training you get in law school. That's what law school is about, is making you think like a lawyer and act like a lawyer. And you do that in court. You don't necessarily have to do that at 100% of the time in your office. Right. Right. So that's one thing. Another question I think is important, especially if you have a high asset case and and a high asset case means that you have substantial uh, assets and maybe liabilities too, but you have substantial assets, you have children, you have, you know, things that matter.
0: Property, investments, retirement plans. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So if you have all those things, that's when you need to be especially careful and make sure that the attorney is experienced in handling those kind of cases. So that'd be a question to ask. How, you know, do you handle a lot of high asset cases? Mm-hmm. Because if they say, oh, sure, and then you find out later they don't, you know, not that that would happen. But I'm just saying that's a good question uh, to ask. And um the attorney fees are always a big issue. <laughs> Let's just get right to it. Yeah. Um the attorney will naturally tell you what what the fee is and what the rate is and how they handle the retainer and and all that sort of thing, but you want to be sure that, that you understand that before you sign the the retainer agreement because once you sign that that's a contract and you're bound to that. So, you don't you don't want to sign that unless you totally understand it. And it's better to ask more questions than less around that issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, uh, I never had anybody misunderstand because I made sure I explained it. And then I would say, do you have any questions? Do you you totally understand what I'm saying? Because, you know, a retainer is just that. It's just uh, an amount of money to get the case started. It is not the total bill for your course. No, no. no. It's never going to be the total bill. Um, And, you know, people will say, well, I hope I get some of that back. Well, that's probably not going to happen. Let me just be honest, Um, because the retainer is set up just to be uh, just as a starter amount. And then you're going to get noticed and the the lawyer will tell you how you're going to get noticed. But I would always send an email along with the invoice and say, you can see that your retainer is almost exhausted, so we will need you to reimburse to um, replenish that in the amount of you know whatever. Uh, it just depends on where you are in the case, how much that retainer replenishment is going to be.
0: And so, can I just and I don't do not want to put you on the spot, so you do not need to answer this question if if you if it's not appropriate. So just let me know. But it it kind of my clients often get really upset with their attorneys because typically the last thing the attorney says to them after that first meeting is, if you have any questions, reach out to me. I'd be happy to answer them for you. What they, what the people don't connect the dots with is every one of those phone calls, emails, texts is coming out of that retainer and it's at a set amount. It's not per second that you're talking. It's like for a a phone call, you get billed for a 15 minute section or whatever, right? Is that how most attorneys run this? So can you explain a little bit about what that retainer is used for and how come it goes from $5,000 to zero in the first two months when nothing has happened legally, maybe?
1: (laughs) Well, what's going to happen is there's going to be your case set up in the office that gets charged. Your um, you know, they're going to be filing your paperwork. So they have to do that. They're going to be gathering your financials. And usually by the time uh, they get the file served and they start working on the financials, that $5,000 is used up. Um, yeah, it's, You know, with, I don't know what the rate is, you know, nationally, um, an average rate, but my rate uh, was 375 an hour and that was in 2018. So I'm sure it's, they're higher now. Well, I know they are. They're higher now than they were back then. So you can just see that, you know, at four or 450 an hour is going to be used up pretty quick, especially if it's the lawyer doing the work. Right. And now you can have a paralegal doing the work and it'll be, you know, considerably less. And the paralegal does do a lot of the work at the beginning, you know, setting up the case and, and filing the paperwork and getting the signatures and gathering the materials. But the lawyer has to oversee that, mm-hmm. so you can't just turn it over to a paralegal. You can't do that, right? So the lawyer's going to have a certain amount of time, even in that first um, five thousand dollars or whatever it is, right? And so, but then as you as you go through, you know, you got to go to mediation. You got so then there's a preparation meeting for that, and then the actual mediation. And then if that doesn't work out and you go to trial, then you're really talking some money. Yeah. So,
0: um, yeah, and th- as I really appreciate you breaking that down, because I think that's a really big misconception that a lot of people who don't have never been through this don't understand that 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 retainer is like the deposit. <laughs> it's yeah, it is. That's not exactly what cost. it is. And you may, you know, um, I was reading somewhere that the typical, the average uh, for a, um, a contested divorce now is thirty six thousand per side. That's not 36,000 total. Oh, yeah. That's 36 per, per person. So, mm-hmm. um, and I've got clients that I'm working with that are two or three years into their divorce and like a hundred thousand plus in legal fees. So mm. it can be all over the, it can be all over the, the spectrum. So really making sure that you believe in your, Oh, one other thing I want to touch base on with you, what happens when you hire an attorney and you find out, a month into this, that you're not in agreement with what the attorney's doing or you can't communicate with the attorney or you're, you know, you're contacting the attorney and never getting any responses back and you fire that attorney and get another attorney. What what happens to your case when, when you have more, when you do that attorney jumping kind of experience? Well, I,
1: I see people do that and um, I never want to be the second lawyer. Okay, so if you do that too many times, you won't be able to find a lawyer because nobody wants to be this. Certainly not. I'm not going to be the third lawyer because that just tells me that there's a problem and it's not me. There's a problem. Right. So, you don't you don't want to be that person. But at the same time, you don't want to stay with an attorney that you disagree with or or certainly you don't want to stay with an attorney that you can't reach by email or. Phone or some way, you need to be able to have that communication. And I will tell you that the highest number of grievances against the lawyers are is because of that lack of communication. That's that's what gets grievances at the bar association. Right, right. So you don't want to be, you don't want to. I never did that. I always, in fact, what I always did, I had on my business card, I had my personal uh, cell phone, my email, my you know every every way to contact me was on there. And I said, use any of these that you see fit and call me anytime. You know, I may answer, I may not, but I just, you know, it's there. Right. And, um, but a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people hide and say, no, I'm, you know, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So that any contact then has to go through the paralegal, which is fine. I mean, if that works, that's fine. Right. But um, the lawyer just needs to be aware of of that communication has right. to be there.
0: And and I think that all goes back to the very first point that you raised is doing your research on the attorney and then asking those important exactly. questions when you're in that meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Gina, tell us a little bit about what what your area of expertise is now, because like I, I alluded to it at, at, earlier, you work with professional women with kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of post-divorce. Tell us. Cause we picked your brains about that law stuff. And I so appreciate you doing that. Cause I know that's not, that's not necessarily what you want to work with, what you work with your clients on. And I want to have some time to talk about that. So what is it that you do? And um, what, what do people come to you for? Well, certainly I am focusing now
1: on um, professional women with children because primarily I was that professional woman with children when I went through my divorce, my most recent divorce. And so um I have written a book called Common Sense Divorce, 10 Steps to
0: Save You Time, Money, and Worry. I have it right here. I have it's it. It's a great <laughs> book. I'm putting a, a, a plug in for this. Get it if you're going through a divorce. Very helpful.
1: <laughs> We've up the books at the same time. That was funny. Um, yes, and then I did a course that I presented live. Uh, I'm still working on getting that up evergreen, but that will be up evergreen. And I've also done a course on co-parenting. Um, the best practices for co-parenting after divorce. And that will be up here soon. Uh, you know, those editing, those videos seem to take quite a while. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with that? But it does. And then um, I'm I'm speaking everywhere I can speak, <laughs> such as here and other places uh, about that sort of thing. I do, I, I, you know, I'm launching a coaching program uh, probably in January, January. Um, and we'll be working on that and getting the word out about that. But uh, what I have seen in my practice is that um, like we talked about before, people don't understand what's about to happen Yeah. when they come in initially, they, they think, Oh, well, this is going to be over. You know, it only takes, let's just say it only takes 90 days to get a divorce. Great. It'll be over in three months. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often if ever. And um, so it's, You know, if you can make that happen, great. But most of the time it does not happen like that. Um, So what I saw is that people really need um, help that like you provide and like divorce coaches provide in general, I think as much as they need the attorney, the attorney is going to handle the legal aspect of the case. They're going to go to court with you. They're going to make the argument in your benefit in front of the judge. They're going to try to get you everything that you want. But um, that doesn't mean that they understand your emotions or how you're handling the divorce or things that other things that are going on in your life. Um, You know, I would always tell my clients because I have I seem to have a lot of a lot of clients that were very highly emotionally charged. And I would say, you know, you have to look at this divorce at just like a business deal. It's a business deal gone bad. That's all it is. It's a contract and we're gonna get out of the contract yep. and we're gonna move on. But if you can't make rational decisions uh during that process, in other words, if you're too highly emotional to think rationally, then you're gonna have trouble.
0: Yeah.
1: And your lawyer's not the one that's gonna say, you know what, you need to calm down. Yeah. They're not going to, they're just gonna say, Oh, she's too upset, okay.
0: Well, no. and, and it's not their job. They're not therapists. No. They're not, you know, they're not trained. That's that's not no. their that's not their skill set. And that's so and that's why I think if people if, if men or women, um, if they if they invest in a coach that gets them out of that emotional state. Gives them the space to make decisions, think out scenarios, plan long term. They are right. going to not only save money with their attorney, but they're going to walk out of the divorce settlement, whether it's in court or whether it's a mediated settlement. I'm always pushing for the mediated settlements, but um, they're going to walk out of that. And they're not going to have buyer's remorse because they're going to say, yeah, I didn't get everything I wanted, but I got what I needed and, and I'm able to move forward. You just got to get what you can live with. Yeah. OK,
1: that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, and that's what I would always tell my my mediation clients when I was doing that. I would say, uh, "Do you have everything that you can? Can you live with this?" And that's really the question to ask yourself when the offer comes. Can you live with that? Yeah. Not that's not everything I want. So no, right. I can't live with that. Don't right. be like that. Don't be that person. You know, be the person that says, I can compromise. I realize that, that it takes two to make this thing thing go. Yeah. And so if both parties can compromise, that's gonna save you time, money, and worry, just like I said in the book. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah. Literally. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think another interesting thing to have people compare us. I recently had a lady, um, she hadn't been married very long either, uh, maybe, uh, I'm thinking maybe two or three years, maybe three or four years, because it was before, definitely before COVID, they were married. So maybe four or five years now. And um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I asked her, I said, how much did you spend on your wedding? She said, I spent $80,000 on my wedding. I said, How long did it take you to plan your wedding? She said, uh, It probably took us close to a year to plan it. And I said, And you own nothing together. You did not have children. You had no commitment to each other. You didn't have commingled funds. And it took you 12 months and $80,000 to plan one day. And now you want to dissolve everything, make it fair, share kids, come up with a co parenting plan, and do everything. And you want it for $5,000 in three months. Tell me how that actually works. You know, what a great point. What a great point. You just gotta look at it like that. So, Dina, uh, this has been incredibly valuable. Thank you so much. And no and I hope that everybody who's listening, if you are a, a professional woman going through the co-parenting experience, struggling with post-divorce kind of stuff, if you want clarity like this, talk to Dina because she's she's the person that you need to talk to. So, what would you like people to remember? From our conversation as kind of the big picture big picture topic from this podcast
1: i think the best thing that people can remember is that um hiring their attorney is the first major decision you're going to make it's only the first of many decisions so you got to get on the right foot from the get go and that's you know i just always encourage people to think about that when you're making that decision don't say Oh, well, that, this this guy's okay. We'll just go with him. Yeah, that's not that's not the how you want to do it. You want to do your research, ask friends, get referrals, talk to about four or five lawyers before you make your decision. At least that many, if there's that many in your area. I live in a real small town, so there's sure. only one lawyer in this town, <laughs> <laughs> aside from me. But anyway, that those are important steps to take, and I think if you remember that. Uh, and get off on the right foot to start with, you'll have a much better experience.
0: Wonderful. And if people do want to reach out, learn a little bit more about what you do, or reach out and get in touch with you, um, what's the best way to do that?
1: Well, in fact, I have a gift for your audience. It's at com. That's my website. And you'll see on there that it says, you know, download my free gift or your free gift, whatever it says. Anyway, that's, that's where you can get it. It's uh top 10 tips for your best case divorce. And uh, it's a little, uh, it's about a 14 page ebook that just takes you through all the things I think you should do or not do. Uh, So that's one way. And then the other way, and I'll give you this link a little later, is uh, I'm offering a 30 minute uh, consultation with me for free. Anybody that wants to talk to me about whatever, (laughs) about your case, I can't give you legal advice. My license is inactive uh, in both states, but um, I'm happy to give you common sense advice, um, kind of like your mother would, but, <laughs> I
0: guess. Your mother with <laughs> a little more legal expertise. Yeah, your, your mother was a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I would do.
1: But yeah, I'd be happy to talk to anyone that uh, wants to sign up for that. And the link for that will be in the show notes.
0: So. Yes, everything will be in the show notes. And Dina, I so thank you for doing this. And one more shameless plug, get a copy of this book. <laughs> Common Sense Divorce. Absolutely. It. It's, it's a great book. It's really practical. You can tell Dina wrote it. It sounds exactly like her when you read the book. So, yeah. Take care. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. I hope this answered some of the questions because I know I've been getting a lot of people asking, can you please have an attorney come on and talk about how to hire another attorney So, or hire how to hire an attorney? So yeah. thank you all. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening and supporting the D-SHIFT podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join the D-SHIFT crew. For more details and to sign up, head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.